This episode is brought to you by Patreon, specifically the Comic Pop Patreon. Go to patreon.com slash comic pop and find out more about how you can keep the lights on here at Comic Pop. And don't worry, we've got plenty of fun rewards, including early access to videos and weekly updates about what's happening here at the studio. That's patreon.com slash comic pop. All right, let's get on with the show now. Sweeping down upon the underworld to smash gangland comes the friend of the unfortunate, enemy of criminals. A mysterious, all-powerful character, a problem to the police, but a crusade of the law. Hello, people that can hear us. What up, everybody? <laughs> Let me ask you a question. I've always wanted to ask you this, and I never okay. have. Um, how many names did you go through before you decided on Elseworlds Exchange? That was the name. <laughs> oh, like immediately? Like right Literally, yeah. Yeah, uh, Joel and I were talking about it, and we were going to do a show... This was the show. Like, Joel and I were talking about how, like, we would do the weekly poll, and then we'd be like, oh, we could still talk for, like, another hour, but we should, you know, monetize it. So uh, then we were like, well, I guess we'll have to do a podcast together, and then we were like, what should the name be? And I think we wrote down a whole bunch of, no- of ideas, and I was like, well, because we're crossing over and talking about things that are not necessarily connected to comic books, we're kind of, cro- we're kind of going outside our wheelhouse, and the first word that came to my mind was Elseworlds because, like, it's leaving the norm and going into something else. At least that's what it used to mean to me. And so mm-hmm. I was like, and because we're talking back and forth, I wanted it to be alliterative. So I thought, like, oh, well, I need a word that means conversation that starts with E. And so I went with exchange. It's good. I mean, I love, I love Elseworlds, man. Like, they're so good. I'm so glad that, like, DC is finally collecting some of the older ones. Yes. A fan sent me Justice League Elseworlds, Volume 1. Yeah. It has the Justice Riders and stuff like that. I'm, yes, I'm, I'm waiting. I'm waiting for. There's two volumes of the Batman now, and um, I'm waiting for the Superman one because. Yeah. I'm just, um, you know, I, I'm, I there's a, like a really crazy. Um, I can't remember they, they they called it like it was an Elseworlds, but it was like Dead Earth or something like that. And there's mm-hmm. a really great Superman story from that. Okay. And I'm really I'm waiting for that collection. Yeah, I don't remember that one. There's also a crazy one where John Byrne uh, did the storyline where Superman crashed right before the American Revolution. Okay. Or no, 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 it wasn't Superman. It was his grandfather. So it was the grandfather of Jor-El. And um, he, so he, he crashes right in the middle of the American Revolution. And like he helps Britain like win it. <laughs> All right. And so like America becomes... Um, like a colony? Or it becomes a... a colony of like basically Superman because like... Superman eventually takes over, and so you're what you're seeing. So the storyline uh, moves ahead to like modern day. Oh no, is it, it? That's not true, Brit, is it? I know it's not true, Brit. It's it, it was it, they did it in an annual. It was like one of the years that they, all the annuals were just Elseworlds. I remember those that year, and they were they yeah. were solid. Yeah, and that one's a great one because that's uh, so so it's moved forward to modern day. Cal L is like depowered. Because you know he this this guy has been like you know screwing humans so like he right. only has like a quarter Kryptonian yeah okay so he's a little he's a little bit stronger mm-hmm. but his grandfather's basically straight up Superman yeah and his grandfather has kept um has kept the technology of humans at the level of the 1776 oh shit okay so so that they can't come against him and so it's about his. Cal L leading the revolution against oh his father, his grandfather, who is actually Superman. That's hilarious. 
<laughs> and it's like the British flag, except it has like the Superman emblem in the middle. Right, of it they figured out how to incorporate it into the logo. That's yeah, amazing. Yeah, yeah, I yeah. love but that. It's, it's not, yeah, it's not Superman Brit. I've read that one too, but it's very similar. To yeah, it. I don't like True Brit. I feel like John Cleese was involved in the development of that book. I, I think he yeah. was. I really want to get that uh, that that Revolution book though. That sounds awesome. Yeah, I, it's one of those that like you know, it's one of those where you're just like, oh, they would never, um, they would never like. Um, they would never like collect that on their own. No, but like with these Elseworld collections, like maybe they will. That's why, I, yeah, I've actually been kind of hunting down a few old uh, Elseworlds books because I like to do them on back issues every once in a while. So, oh like, man, so they're so yeah, they're so hard to find now, right? They are. Yeah, I I really wanted to get uh, Superman speeding bullets, and it's 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 so out of print. It's like fifty bucks, you know. Um, I know that one? What's that? What's that one about? That's the one where Kal El lands in Gotham and is raised by the Waynes. Oh yeah, it has that great cover where like Batman's like floating above the city. Yeah, it's the like Superman <laughs> whichever cover that is, uh, but it's Batman. Oh, that's amazing. That's a good one. That's the uh, Dimitri's. That is, that that is a great. There's also a great one where Super uh, where Batman becomes the Green Lantern. Yes. Uh, and, oh crap. Uh, I can't remember the name of it, but that's another one I wanted to do. That's yes. A good one. That's, that's a, good a great one. one. Man. Like oh man, I you know I really wish. Um, and I've, and I've like loosely mentioned this in the halls of DC, like to every once in a while. Yeah. Um, and I'm like, man, I would just love if the fifth week we just got like, you know, like four, like 90 page one shots that are all elsewhere. Oh, please. Yes. Like, <laughs> you, you know, know that. <sighs> yeah. You know, writers would, would, would want to do them, but also like use them as a thing to like, let some of your, uh, more rookie more rookie writers and artists like get a shot that's that was i feel like that was how marvel what if it was developed they're like we want to see if this if these people can work under a deadline but we're not really ready to give them an, a regular book so let them tell the alternate tale of uh you know atlantis attacks mm -hmm. and see how set would have taken over the world in in like 15 pages <laughs> Jack Ingram in the chat, he just mentioned what is one of my favorite Elseworlds of all time, Justice League The Nail. The Nail, yes. They're they're finally, they're re-releasing that, uh, I think here in a couple months. I want to say I saw it on Amazon. Because every once in a while, I'll peruse Amazon's recommended for me, and they'll mm -hmm. always like give me stuff that's coming down the line. Um, yeah. They're doing a deluxe edition of that with both series, so you get the nail and another nail. Nice. And <laughs> you get both nails. You get both nails. You get two nails. <laughs> your Your annual thing reminded me... All right, you know what? Let me drop the curtain. We'll just... We'll sure, just... go ahead. <laughs> hey, everybody. Welcome to the Elseworlds Exchange. I am Sal, and joined with me today is Jason Inman of uh, DC All Access and Jawin. Um, he is working on, or has actually developed, a comic series called Jupiter Jet along with his wife. And uh, it's actually available, the Kickstarter, that is, in the description box below this video. But Jason, tell them a little bit about Ooh. the book that they can go... Uh, they, you've got eight days left to back we this have project. eight days left on this book. Yeah, Jupiter Jet is an all-ages comic book. It's made with a lot of love, a lot of heart, and a lot of steampunk. Straight from my heart. It's about a 16-year-old girl who finds a jetpack in her dead father's workshop. And she decides to steal from the mob to help provide for her and her brother and their neighborhood. So it's a basic, you know, steal from the rich, give the poor. Along the way, she steals something that she shouldn't have. And this man named Pluto with glowing eyes and a ray gun and robot, robot? I almost said, I almost said robot. Like, uh, like, <laughs> You're like a 20s prospect. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and his robot henchmen uh, start hunting her down. And uh, we're fully funded right now, but we're, we're out there. We're making a last-ditch uh, effort of the last eight days to um, really push, because we have this backup 
story that we want to do. And the backup will be drawn by Jorge Corona of We Are Robin and The Flash. And it's called The Origin of the Jetpack. So uh, if you want to donate over there, you can go to that link in the description, jupiterjetcomic.com. And uh, the great thing about donating to a campaign that's already funded is that you know that you're going to get the book. It's guaranteed. Yeah. I love so that. We have some really cool rewards left. Like, if, if you're interested in comic books, like, Brendan Fletcher of Motor Crush and Batgirl will review one of your scripts. Like, that's a hell of a reward. Come on. Yeah, you can't. Yeah. Well, I was going to say you can't buy that, but apparently you can, and it's available right now. You can right now. buy that now. <laughs> So, uh, Jason and I were talking about 90s comics events, and actually, pr a prelude to that was actually the origin of the name Elseworlds Exchange, and we were talking about Elseworlds titles, and this amazing phenomenon that DC did, in which they, uh, for a very brief period, would put the annuals of their titles in an alternate reality and just tell a, kind of a one-off story. And I was just mm -hmm. remembering the Shadow of the Bat story that I have in my collection that I just, I don't know where I got it. It might have been my parents picked it up for me and were like, here's a Batman book. And it's Batman at the end of time. And what? it's this, yeah, it's this concept <laughs> that like Gotham City is the last human city left before the fall of mankind. Okay. And yeah, and it's basically an allegory for Batman where there's like the, the Waynes or the, the, the Batman characters or analogs have had like their houses and their like their first sons become Robins and it, it's kind of like a Game of Thrones but like thirty oh, years prior, uh, and it's just really cool. They fight like lizard people and uh, there's this like I want to say it's like a devil an analog character who's just standing on the edge of oblivion and he's just hoping that if Batman can succeed then maybe the the universe won't end in in, in entropy and oblivion and it's just I don't like, know how that I don't know how that happens but sure it's so it's such a it's such a mindfuck book but i was like and as a child i'm just like what the hell is happening no context no bar, no part <laughs> no part 1 or 2 it's just this and then it ends and you're just like oh i guess that was cool but uh but i loved well, these self-contained ridiculous off the wall like try anything stories well, you know, speaking of it, um, there is an Elseworlds 90s crossover event. Um, it is called Legends of the Dead Earth. Okay. And it was this crossover that happened in 96, and that and it was like, it crossed over with every single um, DC annual. Oh. And um, it was, they were all like, I believe, uh, uh, set in the same universe, but it was the idea that Earth was dead, and the idea was that like, most of these legends that you were reading about were like told by Martian Manhunter and stuff like that. Okay. Um, so that is a, a 90s event, and it's also an Elseworlds event. Nice. So, we tie it in, man. Every, it was like an every. It was like an every single annual of the year, and they they had like the top of the cover like was brown and stone, and the bottom of the cover was like brown and stone, and uh, yeah, it says Legend of a Dead Earth. That's really cool. I I kind of wish that they would try that now, where they're like, oh, we're gonna put the event in the end of every like month or whatever just tie it all in and not make you have to buy it if you if you don't want to mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, but what, what 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 do you think let, let's just let's throw this out there right now uh let's get this out the gate yeah talking about successful 90 events right um what do you think is the most successful 90s event because a lot of people like to think that events are this invention from the 2000s i think primarily because of civil war and yes. crisis is why um they keep selling. That's the reason why the companies keep doing them. But right. I think the event really started. I, I actually think the the event 
really started, the modern event started with Death of Superman. I think that is where it starts because I think both comic book companies saw how well that sold and yeah. they went and they went nuts about it. But what do you think? I would say, like, critically and financially was probably the most successful event in your eyes of the 90s. I mean, I would not I would hesitate to even call super the, the death of Superman an event as much as I'd call sure. it a stunt. Because mm-hmm. it wasn't a story in as much as it was just... The death of Superman is literally just Doomsday lands and then Superman dies. Like, that's mm-hmm. the story. And, and, and it, there isn't any story. It's literally just, let's highlight how crappy the Justice League is at that time, and then Superman can die. And we even dispatched the main villain as well. So the whole mm-hmm. thing is kind of wrapped up in this kind of buzzwordy, like, hyperlink moment that you just don't really even regard. Reign of the Superman? That's an <laughs> event. And, true. And garbage. <laughs> But in, uh, in World Without a Superman, World Without a Superman, exactly. No, once Death of Superman, I think that definitely is the catalyst for the event. But I mean, like, I think even something as simple as Secret Wars was one of the first events, where it's like, sure, that's a twelve-issue miniseries in which all the characters do a thing. Um, but for me, the most successful of the '90s, I think I have to say Age of Apocalypse. I think I have to agree with you because I really do because no one hates it. Yeah, <laughs> like it's hell- and. It, it, it's hold. It's held up very well, despite the fact that it's about an alternate future. You know, mm-hmm. Days of Future Past I think is three issues, and yet that is regarded like that's not that an event. Two. Uh, maybe it is even two, it's, okay. but it's really short. You know, it's it, it's not even close to an event, and yet it's hailed as this X Men moment, this seminal mm-hmm. period where we see maybe like thirteen collective panels of this dark future. Whereas Age of Apocalypse, the whole damn thing takes place in this alternate present future time that Mm. is largely irrelevant, despite the fact that so many characters were brought over from Age of Apocalypse after the event ended. Age of Apocalypse also did this thing that, and it might have been done in comics before then, and I don't know, is that the event happens in the main titles of the book. Right. And, 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 And so much so that they rename all the books. And in fact, Age of Apocalypse is what brought me into X-Men comic books in the 90s because I remember I was I got like uh, a couple books before, like during the Legion quest. And I was like, oh, this is cool. This is cool. And then suddenly the next issue I got, it was called like, uh, oh, God, what were they called? The uh, It wasn't the Uncanny X-Men. It was the um, Amazing X-Men. And I was like, what? Right. And the, lo- <laughs> the logo was different and Magneto was on the cover. And I was like, what the hell is this? Yeah. And I was reading it. Also, I think Age of Apocalypse is one of the first events to do, like, the Alpha and the Omega one-shots yes. before and after. Yeah. Oh, uh... Because there, the, there was Alpha, Omega, and Prime. Yes. I mean, yeah. Alpha is the image everyone thinks of when they think of Age of Apocalypse. Yeah, the, the only reason spread cover, yeah. The only reason it's not the cover for this is because there's no high-res of uh, image of it on Google Images that I, I can find in the last 20 man. minutes. Yeah. <laughs> uh, instead, I have, uh, I think it's a Joe Mad cover that he did for a alternate uh, Age of Apocalypse for Secret like Wars. Or hmm? Like a reprint or something like that? It's it's a, no, it was Secret Wars' Age of Apocalypse. Ah, so they got him to come back and like redraw some ideas that he had. Uh, works, still cool idea. It, it holds up, and it, it the the images are still representative of the of the event we're talking about. But like, mm-hmm. I think you got you have the the success of the story, the success and the popularity of the X Men, plus the gimmicky covers where you can inflate the price. 
So you have all mm-hmm. the, the perfect storm of 90s plus event plus X-Men, which is what, what kind of defines modern uh, comics from that period, I think. Yeah, yeah. I, it's, it's, it's strange that a lot of it, I believe, like a lot of the 90s crossovers or the events for me I, really come from X-Men. Yeah. Like because they had, they had, well, even before that, they had like Fatal Attractions, mm-hmm. right? They had, they had um, uh, the executioner song, executioner song. But then, but, but it, I think it was like age of apocalypse was where they were like, Oh, we are just printing money. Yes. So, age of apocalypse was, we can do no wrong. And yeah, that was like operation zero tolerance after that. <laughs> yep. Oh, Remember that onslaught oh. came next. Then oh, onslaught. I actually like onslaught. I, I, I admit that onslaught doesn't hold up. Yeah. It like fails by the ending of it. Really? But they did such a long buildup for Onslaught. Yeah. Like it was like a two year buildup for oh, Onslaught. Yeah. So that by the time Onslaught happened, I was like, hell yeah. Onslaught, I think, represents the hubris that was earned from Age of Apocalypse. Age of Apocalypse was <laughs> they when they went, Holy shit, they'll yeah. this is this is successful. Let's do this every year. <laughs> every year, man. Yeah. And then like, um I'm a, I'm gonna Google there were so many of them. I, I don't even remember them all. I'm gonna Google like X Men events. Yeah, I, I uh, love that you brought up uh God, what was it called? Zero the tolerance? zero tolerance, because that oh, sucks. Oh, it's so bad. And they know it too. Like, there's no one is like, whoa, whoa zero tolerance. One of my favorite. I love, I love uh, Bastion and Maggot and Marrow. You know, I like the look of Bastion. I do. He doesn't hold up to what he, what he, what he was supposed to do. Right. But I agree with you that, like, that, that was the event that introduced Maggot, who is pro- quite possibly the worst X Men character of all time. Easily. Well, I don't know. Beak, I think, kind of has a slight lead in that category. Uh, I like just by looks. You know, the funny thing about it is that um, I once had this conversation with Scott Lobdell, who was writing the X Men during oh, this. Time, oh yeah. <laughs> uh, um, Age of Apocalypse, and he told me that the only reason he created Maggot. Was because at the time, uh, Hasbro or Mattel, I'm not certain which one Toy would have made their toys at the time. They were making all kinds of X-Men action figures at the time because of the cartoon. And yeah. the action figures were selling like crazy. Yeah, they so were. he started writing characters into the book just to see if they would oh. make an action figure of it. No! <laughs> That's the worst. And so it was a bet between him and Joe Mad about like who's the crazier character that they could make to action figure of it. And guess what? They they didn't make an action figure of Maggot. No. Um, but they did make an action figure of there's this small little um eight year old blonde girl and this and her giant like dewback from Star Wars and it's called like Groot and or Grok and Ravel or whatever. <laughs> I don't know. Anyways, it was introduced during this very same time. They did make an action figure of them. Naturally. Oh, yeah. Marrow Marrow was also the same way, and they made an action figure. I remember the Marrow figure. Let me tell you something. Actually, I was... (laughs) Tiffany found this. She was reading an old wizard that I had, and in the wizard magazine, in the very front, they used to have these, like, kind of variety-esque articles in the very beginning about the comic book industry. And one of them was um, Toy Biz mogul Avi Arad... Is oh. is becoming like whatever the hell like a, a a big wig at Marvel, and they're they're welcoming in new president Ike Perlmutter, who came from the toy lines, mm. and apparently and it was interesting because they're like that there's this quote that was like we're looking forward to like blending the comic books with our with our toy manufacturing like concerns, and 
you could see it's like the back to the future like clock tower moment where you're like oh no if i could stop this then marvel would <laughs> go into bankruptcy oh but, man Wizard yeah but they were toy makers so man like marvel was all about the toys and, and they were it's part of the reason why they went bankrupt yeah and i was a sucker because i bought a lot of those toys i did too man but i will say like it really was like such a um <clears throat> It was such a golden age yeah. of the toys as well because um, I remember when they made Generation X toys. Yeah. And I bought them all. And it's like, <laughs> I did because I just thought I love Generation X. I, I love the first 25 issues of Generation X, I think, are solid. They're so great. Um, did Bacchilo do the art? Who did the art? Chris Bacchilo. Yeah, 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 yeah. And they made an action figure just based off a comic book. Yes. Oh, yeah. No, you got, comic book. you got Age of You had, They had an Age of Apocalypse line. You yeah, could get Holocaust. I had those too. <laughs> you could get weird, like Ultimate Warrior Apocalypse with his like red strappy things that were falling. Oh, I his had them all, dude. I had the the really bad uh, uh, Weapon X one where they oh. like the ability. He was like this. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Why is I, it? <laughs> by the way, best Magneto I'd ever bought. I still have oh, that Magneto. Yeah. Uh, it was like the the first time they like actually made Magneto look badass. Yes. Until, like legends. My Magneto was the Toy Biz one where you you pulled the trigger on his back and sparks were supposed to come <laughs> out of the front because he's Magneto. Makes sense. But uh, but yeah, I think Age of and chat was just like Generation su- X sucks. Sorry, Jason. It's like you don't gotta apologize for that. You also don't gotta <laughs> you have to apologize for your behavior. You all have different opinions. Yeah. I think your comment sucks. Yeah. Sorry. Sorry, that sucks. Yeah, that's too bad. I, oh, by the man. way, big, I want to throw out, this is completely derailing it like stuff. I completely don't understand the internet's need to be like, it's like um, to to make sure the person that I'm insulting sees the insult. Yes. <laughs> I don't understand that. Like you it would be like, me sat, like coming on Elseworlds Exchange to do a giant rant to tell you how much Elseworlds Exchange sucks. Yep. That would be, yeah. It makes no sense. It would be so weird and publicly uncomfortable and embarrass. It would just be embarrassing. Yeah, let me tell you, man. I have. I'm reminded. I, I when I I dropped off of reading comics for a very big span of time. Like my. Oh, window in. Do you like, remember? Oh, it was from my. It was my entire high school career. Like okay, four years and then half so high school career. Yeah. You're so funny. My high school career. My uh, yeah, the entire period in high school, I just didn't read comics, and then. I think half a year into my freshman year of college, I got back into comics. And, okay. But for that whole chunk of time... In, can I ask? I'm sorry? What brought you back in, can I ask? Oh, man. Um, J. Michael Straczynski's Spider-Man got me back in. That's a good run, man. Yeah. I was... Uh, actually, it was funny. That and Ultimate Spider-Man, my roommate had the whole run of Ultimate Spider-Man in trade... And mm-hmm. I had a lot of downtime because I was hiding from my terrible girlfriend at the time. And I was... <laughs> and so I was like, well, I guess I'll read this. That's how I got into Exiles. He had all the Exiles trades. Oh, that's a good book, too. So I, I went through and I just started reading them. And number one, I was like, Ultimate Spider-Man is freaking amazing. And number two, yeah. I remember I picked up an issue because I dropped off Spider-Man during the Clone Saga. I picked up the issue where they killed Ben Riley just to make sure he died. And then I heard that Mary Jane oh, died yeah. in a plane accident, and I was like, pass. And uh, so then I picked up the issue where MJ and Peter, like, reconcile, and they fight Doctor Doom with Captain America. Oh, I remember that like, one. Yeah, yeah. I was like, this is... I'm like, wow, they talk like regular people. This is bizarre. <laughs> but I loved it, and uh, so I just got back into that. That's um, cool. I would I would hold Ultimate Spider-Man up 
for me, like if you were if you were looking at like best ongoing series, um, man, I would I would throw uh, I would throw that in there. Like Ultimate Spider-Man, like one of the best ongoing series of Easily. all time. Easily. Oh no, there's no even the even the lowest points in Ultimate Spider-Man are still engaging. Which are after Ultimatum. Which are after Ultimatum. Yep. Um, are still engaging <laughs> and cool. Like yeah. I, but also, that was, I think, after Ultimatum, Stuart Eminem came over on the title, and he fucking rocked it, man. He did. That's why I'm he excited did. to hear him. He's going on to Amazing Spider-Man. I'm like, oh, I might actually pick up the book again. So you are in agreement, I would say, with me that no Spider event of the 90s is successful, right? No. Web of Death, yeah. Clone Saga. Like, cause Web there of were... Death? I forgot about that. Oh, don't forget Maximum Carnage. Maximum Carnage, which That's was... the most successful one. Oh, easily. Oh, no. Maximum okay. Carnage, which had the audacity to kick it off by saying, part one of a 14-part event. I remember mm-hmm. picking up the first issue and being like, there's no fucking way it's going to be 14 issues. There was a video game of that. Oh, I owned both versions. I had the Genesis version and the SNES version. Yeah. I never beat it. But I got damn close. Yeah, it's like, um, there's that, and then there's like, I'm trying to think of like some of the other events. Okay, so, okay, I think Batman had some successful events. Oh, yeah. Events. Oh, Batman's the only one who had like, who had objectively successful events. I mean, Nightfall was unquestionably a success yeah um night like, quest I, like, I don't know i like contagion contagion's great no man's land is excellent no man's land starts in 99 so there you go so it technically counts <laughs> yeah it technically counts so uh I, I and that is my that's one of my favorite batman events and stories of all time what, no, man's land? no man's land it's yeah. so great um i even like legacy yeah which is uh it's gonna be collected finally next month mm-hmm Oh, cool. Um, nice. I'm just looking through the list here. Yeah. Uh, oh, oh, uh, Prodigal. I don't remember that one. That's the one where uh, Dick Grayson takes over for Batman. For, like, after he comes back? After the broken back, yeah. I I only have the issue where he puts it on, and then I never, I didn't pick it up again. I actually, that oh, was. Oh, it's like 12 parts. It's bas- it's it's basically standard Batman storytelling, but okay. it's basically, it's just him and Tim. It's a. It's a nice little uh, preview of the kind of Batman that he would be later on down the, the I line. I was going to say, because I remember yeah. when they when they made the Black Mirror, and everyone's yeah. like, holy shit, Dick Drayson. I'm like, yeah, they did that like 20 years ago. Like, who, who's... Yeah, it, it was more of like... But I think the idea of that was that he was being Batman because Bruce Wayne was dead. Whereas yes. this was this was Bruce Wayne being like, I still need another week off. Oh yeah. Oh no, that was that's exactly right. Yeah, the first Let's one. Take the Batmobile. I'm tired, man. Right? Like, no, 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 no. I just beat John Paul. I, you know, no. I, I need. I, you know, I just, re- I just re- looked at my bank account. I need to take a freaking vacation. <laughs> I don't know if you know this. I'm a billionaire. I got lots of change I need to use. These billions of dollars are are, uh, uh, are yeah. burning a hole in my pocket. That's right. I'm gonna use it. Um, <laughs> another another successful one I have to say is that's sure. un- unquestionably successful. Uh, the Infinity Gauntlet. Yeah, you know, I'll I'll give the first one. Oh, that's the yeah the only one yeah, with the yeah, word yeah. Infinity in it that's successful. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I'll give you the first one just because like. It was, uh, was that, ni- I always think of that as 80s. That's I do weird. too. Early 90s? I do too. 90s. It's 91, I think. Wow. Uh, because it's George Perez. And you're like, oh shit. Like, it just looks, it re- it's very evocative of Crisis. Mm-hmm. Um, then Ron Lim, I think, takes over for the art. And it's like, oh. But, yeah, yeah. Um, you know, another one that we have to give a, a, a small shout out, uh, whether whether or not we agree with how successful it was or, or how critically oh, no. successful it was or not, Heroes Reborn. Heroes Reborn. Yeah, that's an event. Was it six? I don't think that was remotely well, successful. 
Well, no, actually it was. Like now, financially successful, was, you mean? The success and the notoriety of the Fantastic Four, Captain America, Iron Man, and Thor exists now because of Heroes Reborn. Because at the time, all of their titles were selling nothing. Oh, yeah. Nobody wanted to buy the Avengers. Nobody wanted to buy Fantastic Four. Nobody wanted to buy Iron Man yeah. at all. Yeah. And post that event, their sales were equal to, if not better, sometimes, than X-Men. Interesting. Now, so, like, and, whether we agree with like the story wise of it or not, like yeah. it it worked. It did exactly what that event needed to do. I will say, and also, you, yeah. Oh, sorry. Go ahead. Oh. Uh, I was gonna say, like, I was like, Heroes Reborn led us to what I think is the greatest Avengers run of all time, which is Kurt Busiek, George Perez. That's right. Like, I, and I guess you could say that Heroes Reborn maybe gave it the shot, maybe maybe raised the awareness of those titles so exactly. that. Uh, uh, Busick and Perez could enjoy the success because it, you also had the Ron Garney, Mark Wade, Captain America series, which is fantastic. And Music and uh, Sean Chen's Iron Man comes after that too. That's right. So, but uh, and and is it a chicken or the egg situation where it's like, well, you had fantastic creators who desperately wanted to re to remind everyone why these characters are so great, mm -hmm. or was it the fact that we had image artists drawing and writing these like deflated characters? And then after they were pretty much ripped free from their hands. Because it wasn't... I, I, I always feel like the end of Heroes Reborn was not necessarily a, you know, and we've done our job, you may have your characters back. It was more like Marvel said, stop what you're doing! We have to we have to fix this now! Well, it was like, it was, it, yeah, it was very much like, give us back, give us back, come on, give yeah. us back. Because um, they because well, it's also no weird if you remember. There's those weird thirteen issues of Heroes. Those thirteen numbered issues of Heroes Are Born, where the Marvel Universe crosses over the Wildstorm characters. I remember it happening. I never read it. Was it cool? Um, it's not. It's it's not great. It's it's basically like they're all they're all four. So they did one in each four titles, and they all like it was like part one, part two, part three, part four. So mm -hmm. you had to read all of them to get the story. Right. Okay. And at the time, I wasn't reading it. I I have read them. Um, they'll never be collected again. Ever, oh, I believe it. <laughs> because, you know, they're Wildstorm characters. Yeah. But I do know that that was all about because of, um, there was some delay. There was some delay thing of, like, Marvel didn't want the books to come immediately back to their publishing. And also there was a little bit of negotiation about whether Heroes Reborn was going to happen for a year two. Right. And, and to bridge that gap, they did this 13th issue, and then Marvel's like, no, 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 bring them back to us. Mm-hmm. Okay. So... Yeah, that's right. Yeah, I was actually I was leafing through an old wizard, and I, I, I they reminded me of World War Three. And let that... me ask you, have you kept all your old wizards? Uh, yes. See, I got rid of a bunch of mine, but to be honest with you, I kind of wish I'd kept some of them. I actually I got rid of a, a large chunk of them, but I kept I kept them all, but I I didn't have I didn't have as many as I thought I did. Like I had maybe twenty mm -hmm. or thirty issues of Wizard, and uh, Tiffany wound up getting me another like chunk of wizards she found oh, something you've gotten you've gone back and grabbing them that's fine yeah and there and i i There's want some great interviews in those books oh i mean like they have exclude they flew to wherever the hell alan moore lived and they got alan moore to talk to them for like four pages back during a time when alan moore was a little friendlier and a little more mm -hmm. approachable mm -hmm. um they're fantastic interviews there's great insights um it's a great way for me to like rem they were doing what we do now, twenty years yeah, ago. Yeah, back then. 
So then, yeah. getting an insight into like how people can, I mean, like in a world where I didn't have any peers, that magazine allowed me to like have inside jokes about this shit that I like memorized, you know, like yeah, they, me they, too. They, there was, there yeah. were several times when I couldn't afford comic books when I was in school and stuff like that. And yeah. also I, where I grew up, I just didn't have access to it. Mm -hmm. And um, so the greatest thing about it was that I would be able to read Wizard Magazine and feel like I didn't miss anything. Right. Yeah, they kept you up to date. And mm -hmm. I loved how they would, inf they, they would remind you or first tell you about books you never even knew about. I remember there was, during, in the, the I didn't care about the value of comics back then and still don't today. Yeah. But uh, in the price guide, they had this great little, like, window where they put an issue and then summarized what the issue was about and why it was valuable yeah yeah and so you you all of a sudden like wanted to know what happened in that issue maybe you didn't want to collect it to get a profit but you just wanted to read the damn thing mm -hmm. and that was mm -hmm. that was great there were a lot of great things that came out of there like regardless of the whole like you know being owned by publishers and you know giving good reviews yeah. to things that were garbage i mean like they 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 had they hammered a lot of things that didn't need to be hammered. So I, I'd say it was about fifty fifty. Yeah, and, and they and they did go pretty um, lowbrow sometimes. Yes. Oh yeah. Um, no, they they very, took, yeah yeah. But um, but you know at the same time like yeah like they were the YouTube comic book YouTube channels before they existed. Yeah. And that was something that was really great. And. Um, yeah, I don't know. Like, there's some there's some great stuff, and you still look at Wizard like, man. Like, you look at some of those covers, and they have like, there's some specific oh, yeah. art to Wizard that only exists on Wizard. And then they would always do like these little trading cards, and then the posters. And oh. I, and like looking at it now, I'm just like, damn, I wish I'd kept all those. Yes. No, let me tell you something. And I, did. I I was just um, one of the wizards I have uh, that I'm looking at right now has a fold out image drawn by Joe Casada. Of yeah. Spider-Man fighting the Lizard, Carnage, Venom, and Dr. Octopus and Hobgoblin. I have never seen anything like that before. And Joe Quesada's drawn Spider-Man a lot in the last 20 years. Yeah, uh, right. And I've never seen a picture like that. And no one will ever be able to say... Like, Marvel will never be able to, like, have that cover. No. I mean, I have a... You know what? Let me just geek out here. I have yeah, two sure. posters here. We got my Spawn Batman poster from Wizard Magazine drawn by Todd McFarlane. Mm -hmm. And my Spider-Man versus Hobgoblin poster by Mark Bagley, which I have to go to the I have to I have I'm just to tell everybody I have to go to the feed because there's a delay. Oh right, yeah. And and Sal doesn't share his camera. He's shy. I can't. I the OBS the stream, I and know. Skype won't let me. Yeah, I'm, I'm shy. I don't want I don't want anybody to <laughs> so see what I'm to up turn, to. <laughs> you're wondering why I'm turning left. It's because I'm watching the stream with you to see these posters. Yes. <laughs> and this Mark Bagley Spider-Man Hobgoblin poster, I, I want to say it's one of the only. Hobgoblin drawings by Mark Bagley, and it's oh uh, yeah, it wouldn't surprise me. And it's really freaking cool. And I'm like, damn yeah. it, why hasn't he drawn anything like that before? Just really cool shit. Um, but anyway, uh, uh, apropos events, we just covered one in uh, on back issues. We did the final night, which I what? like that event. Mm -hmm. I like that um, it's self-contained. I like that it's. It did cross over into other things. It was also like world spanning. It was just the miniseries, yeah. Just the miniseries. It was pretty cool. Mm -hmm. Like, it. Don't read it with a physicist. No, no, no. <laughs> but you, but the thing I like about it is that um, th that was something that I I did like about the um, I was gonna say the DC events mm -hmm. 
events of the 90s is that the DC events of the 90s uh, tended to take chances and do weird stuff. Like, oh, yeah. Whereas I feel like we were talking about with X-Men, like X-Men like were just like, how do we recreate Age of Apocalypse? How do we keep doing this? Whereas the DC events, I feel like, and they may have been sprung out by Grant Morrison a little bit because he was in the middle of JLA, but right. they kept like being like, oh, what's the next event? Yeah. The sun goes out. What's the next event? <laughs> Batman has to fight an earthquake. Yeah. You know, and so like when you think about that, you're like when you hear that as like a story tell, you're just like, that's an amazing idea. How are they going to do it? Yep. And so I appreciate and sometimes they worked and sometimes they didn't. Mm-hmm. But I appreciate that it was something different every time. Yeah. Yeah. Where, instead of like, oh, another repeat of Age of Apocalypse. Yay. Yeah, I mean, like, that. literally you could imagine at the Marvel offices them saying, like, okay, I want Age of Apocalypse for Spider-Man. I want Age of Apocalypse for the Avengers. Like, I want this event we just did, but for these characters. And well, I think, I, I actually think there was, there, there you know definitely Mar- someone in Marvel had a conversation um, with Spider-Man and looked at Nightfall yeah. and was like, they got a new Batman, how do we get a new Spider-Man? Yep. And, oh man, you could feel it when, uh, as a avid Spider-Man reader, the period when they wanted to nightfall Spider-Man was just like, what the f- what the fuck are you doing? Like, yeah. where, uh... It, that was, the, I remember that because that's, that's that famous cover, well, I don't know if it's famous, it's famous because it's reviled, but it's like <laughs> a close-up of Peter Parker's face and his mask is ripped off and he's oh, grimacing. And he's just, scre- yeah, it's like he screamed his mask off. Yeah, so and bizarre. you're like, no, 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 no. <laughs> oh my god, no. Uh, and how they like made it work plot-wise, where it was... So Spider-Man's parents came back from the dead, but it turns out they're LMDs created by the Chameleon, or, uh, or, yeah. or actually they're created by Harry Osborn, who then subcontracted the Chameleon. The fact is, this makes Spider-Man lose his mind, and then he becomes the spider, and just is angry and hardcore, and like beats his enemies even harder than normal. But, like, you're still red and blue and fun-looking. Like, it just didn't work. Mm -hmm. They actually made a joke about it before it even came to pass. Remember the the Todd McFarlane cover of Spider-Man number one where it says, The Arachnite? Oh, yeah, yeah. It was like, no. You can't make those two characters work. Like, you can't tell a Batman story with Spider-Man. They're completely different ends of the spectrum. Yeah, it's it's yeah, and and that's the thing where they like they they're like, oh no, let's just yeah, what's death of Superman for every character? We can yeah. do it. Yeah, <laughs> what's you know? death of Superman like, for Bat? Yeah, well they did that. They um, did do it. Yeah, that's what Nightfall is. You're just like, Nightfall oh, is. okay. Yeah, I remember as a kid not seeing the parallel, just being like, wow, it seems like everyone's getting a really hard time right now. Like, no, they just went like, oh, look at how <laughs> successful it was. Yeah. It's it's a weird thing. I'm trying to think about some other '90s events. Image didn't really do events because no. they're all separate. They, you know what? They did do an event that oh, I what? read every issue of. It was Mars what? Attacks Image. Oh my god! In which the Mars Attacks Martians invade the Image universe. I'm googling this right now. I got to see this. Thing. It is fucking weird. <laughs> I gotta see a picture of this stupid thing. Because okay, uh, Eric Larson like drank the Kool Aid big time on that Mars Attacks thing because they he incorporated it such that like he implied because at that point Savage Dragon's origin was still oh a my grand god mystery. there is a cover there is a cover issue one is this building and it's like the Savage Dragon yep um I can't remember the the lead uh, uh the the redhead from Gen thirteen oh Fairchild Fairchild Shadowhawk. 
And then on the top is like spawn, and then there's like all the flying saucers and the beams are coming down. Yep. <laughs> this covers. Oh, oh, wait a minute. I found issue two. It's like Witchblade, like getting ready to punch an ant. I am yeah. not joking. That is the cover to issue two. No, it is awesome. This event is so freaking terrible. Uh, oh my god, this looks ridiculous. Literally, just the like Mars attacks the world, mm. and the superhero community has to like fight them. It's and they kill off a few characters. They have a. They imply that like Savage Dragon is actually Agent Dry Gan of the Martian like geneticists soldier division. Okay, okay. okay. It just turns into garbage. I remember there's an, they, they tried to shoehorn in the Max at one point where. Like, Max is fighting some Martians, and, like, the superhero's like, you should join us! And he's like, no! And then he just leaves. <laughs> I do remember, um... I do remember later on, and this is in the 2000s, of course, Warren Ellis did that event where the aliens attacked Wildstorm. Oh, and, my God. Are you, you mean aliens, like xenomorphs. Yeah, like aliens. Yeah, yeah, like from the movie, alien. Yeah, and it's yeah. like... Wh- it's. I think it's just, like... it's. I think it's Stormwatch aliens, but... What he did, actually, what I think is smart, is that he incorporated it into the story of Stormwatch, yeah. and he used the alien attack as his way to launch the Authority. Mm. Okay. Because like the, the Stormwatch couldn't recover enough from the alien attack. Like the alien attack was so severe, and they did kill off a couple characters, and so that was like the genesis behind like this is the reason why we got to watch the Authority because Stormwatch is basically like in tatters. Okay, that explains why. Because I have one issue, and it's aliens wild uh, wildcats mm-hmm. by by Ellis, and that explains why it's so bafflingly simple and confusing. Like it's just. There you go. I was like, what the fuck is happening? And it's only like 13 pages or so. It's really short and it's just doesn't make any sense. I was like, what the hell's happening here? Yeah, that's uh, but that's why. That's uh that's Warren Ellis was like, if you're going to make me do this crossover, then I'm going to I'm going to make it matter and I'm going to kill people. That's brilliant. Um I was looking through an old wizard recently. This is literally how every conversation starts now. Um but <laughs> they were uh, DC was so proud of themselves because at that point in the in the magazine I was reading they had never done... They had done Crisis on Infinite Earths in, like, 84. Mm-hmm. Or, I'm sorry, 86. And they were so proud of this idea, they were going to do a new Crisis. And they were going to call it Zero Hour. Oh, I remember that. And Zero Hour was, like, so inconsequential and confusing, and yet, to to read about the... To read the, 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 the time capsule of hype that they had for it... They were so proud of themselves and so impressed with their plans. They were like, we're going to fix everything. And they're like, you just did this 10 years ago. They Well, I will say, one, Zero Hour does make everything more confusing. Yeah. Two, <laughs> I love Zero Hour because it's so stupid. I love it. Yes, and um, it, it's drawn by Dan Jurgens, and you're just like, what are you? Well, like, what, number one, the event, the actual event, the actual issues of Zero Hour, I love that they count down. Like, it starts with four, and yep. then it goes all the way to zero. Yeah. Um. Also, I want to point out Zero Hour for me, giving those zero issues, were very... Every title got a zero issue, yeah. which was crazy at the time. Mm-hmm. Um, I remember a lot of those zero issues were jumping on points for me into yeah. those characters. Oh, because... I started re- yeah, Starman? Starman. Damage. Everybody. They, th- yeah. well, because they used the zero issues to, to explain what the retcon for that character was. Yeah, and, and, and each zero issue was sort of like... Um, an origin tale for the character with the exception of green lantern mm. because green lantern which is by the way the best zero issue of the whole event it's kyle rayner 
versus Hal Jordan on Oa. Yeah. And Kyle Rayner beats Hal Jordan because he blows up Oa. And Hal Jordan was like, "That's a, nobody would ever think to do that. And Kyle Rayner does it. That's awesome. Yeah, um, that's... It's the well, best because Zero Hour turns into a Green Lantern event, just like Final Night turns into a Green Lantern event. At the it end. is. It is because... Yeah, because they... I don't know. It was this weird thing where I actually, to be honest with you, I was never a big fan of Hal Jordan. Mm. So when they turned him evil, it didn't bother me. Yeah, it didn't feel like a huge betrayal of the character. Yeah. As, when I was growing up, I never... I Growing up, there were already so many Green Lanterns that Hal Jordan was just like, who cares? Like, Yes, exactly, exactly. And 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 now, of course, that's that's me coming at it as like a, a little kid reading Hal Jordan in the 90s. Exactly. So, they, so yeah, when they introduced Kyle Rayner, uh, Kyle Rayner was like the perfect, uh, the perfect introduction for me. So, yeah. and I thought actually that Hal being a villain, I loved his parallax costume, by the way. I thought oh, it was so, so great. Cool looking. It's great looking. He kind of became a, this like perfect villain to the DC universe, and also it was the nice little um, black and white. Because if you look at Wally West, who was the Flash in the '90s, his mentor died saving the world. Yeah, and then Kyle's not mentor, but the the person who he's, he's going to be compared to. Yeah, is this terrible villain? So true. it's kind of a nice little yin and yang there. Yeah, I like that. Yeah, I yeah. don't remember but them doing. Of, I don't. I don't remember them really crossing Wally and Kyle over too much. I wish they did, though. They did. They they tended to do it like um, they didn't do it until after JLA because okay. Grant Morrison was the one who introduced the idea. But they did it like they would do it like every other year. Okay, cool. Okay. Yeah, yeah. And I uh, show you you had your poster time. Here's yeah. mine. I love Kyle Rayner so much. I uh, I eBayed a comic book shop poster and I I found this one on eBay. This is a oh. comic book shop advertisement. Of uh, if you notice the logo is like old. Yeah. Um, That's awesome. But yeah, it's like you've got the most powerful weapon in the universe. What are you gonna do first? Coming in <laughs> April or February. That's really cool. I yeah. really like that. Yeah, that hangs above my desk. It hangs like up there. So that rocks. I uh, yeah, man. I love the old comic po- or comic book store ads. Mm-hmm. I wish I could go get like old school ads for for comic book stores. They they had such great, awesome stuff. They're expensive, man. You can you can find some of them on eBay. Uh, they're actually really cool posters, and I like them. That's hard, part of the reason why I got it is because they're unique. Yeah. And they're also they're also limited. Like they're right. very limited. Um, Tiffany Smith, uh, my co-host at DC All Access, she has um, these two long, very skinny. Uh, like they're almost like like only a foot wide, but they're like three foot long. And they're these two advertisements of the covers when they launched uh, Superman Batman. Oh, cool. Yes, yeah, so I know the, what you're talking it's about. Ed, it's the Ed McGinnis Superman going up, and it's the Ed McGinnis Batman going down. And they're like, oh, and she has them like right beside each other. And that's I'm like, oh, so that's cool. so cool. That's a great idea. Oh, man. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, there's also some really cool, I haven't been able to, to buy them because they've been so expensive. There are some really sweet uh, Howard Porter 1990s JLA posters that are out there for Ooh. comic book shops, and they're great. Nice. Yeah, but they all but the comic shops always have those ads where they're just like the new thing coming yeah. in February, and they, like I said, it makes them unique. Yeah, no, I love that. It well, it's it's what you do. It's what art is. You know, like any if you're a if you're a twenty something or you're a teenager or you're you know you're adorning your your dorm room or your your office or your your living room, 
and you want something kind of unique and original. You know, I mean, like you look at any craft store or any like Michaels or Home Goods or whatever. There, there's stores with that are vintage ads for things that you don't give a shit about. Comic book posters, like from stores, are like that thing, but for something you actually care about, or for for something that's very specifically catered to you. It's like having a concert poster for a band yes. you like, and yet. You know, those they make prints of anyway, but uh, that's actually, I remember because I got my Spawn Batman poster, which I almost have up ironically, um, I looked it up because I was like, one of my favorite crossovers of all time is the Bagley, DiMatteis, Spider-Man, Batman crossover, Mm -hmm. and I was like, when that came out, that should have been a big goddamn deal, and they must have made an ad for it, and I looked it up, and they did make a poster. Sucks, but... Uh, I was like, it's a great poster, I want this, and I'll, like, if I ever meet Bagley, I'll have him sign it. Mm-hmm. And uh, I looked everywhere, They that is that poster is gone. Like, oh, what? you just cannot find it? Like, someone has a picture of it on, like, a GeoCities website. You know, like, they've, oh, they man, have it Geo somewhere. Cities. I remember but, that. Yeah, but you <clears> cannot <throat> buy that poster. So <clears throat> what happened was, actually, Tiffany wound up reaching out to Mark Bagley and commissioning a new version of the cover of the first issue. Oh, nice. And it was like... Oh, That's really is, cool. It, it was way better. Probably more expensive by a country mile, but... Oh, yeah, probably. 100%. But it rocks. Um, <laughs> but yeah, the, but in my pursuit... I I have a uh, apropos poster since the show has gone off the rails. Um, they, I, I, have, I have this really awesome poster that I saw at WonderCon last year. Okay. Um, it was a Waylon Yutani, like, kind of ad poster. Oh, and, that's interesting. Yeah, from... Aliens, by the way, audience who's not familiar. Yeah, because you don't know people. Come on. Yeah, catch up. And uh, (laughs) it's an image of Jonesy the cat from Alien holding a alien, like, pre-evolution xenomorph, you know, the the chest burster Mm -hmm. in its mouth, like it caught a a mouse. And it says something like, uh, Will and you tanny animal animal companions, a friend to you... uh, End of the line for stowaways. And love that poster. Saw it and was like, that's awesome. I can't fit it that's in my really cool. I can't fit it in my poster. I can't bring that with me from WonderCon. Uh, and then for Alien Day, which Fox tried to kind of make a thing. Yeah. They uh, they were like, you know, if you want to do something for Alien Day, like let us know. And I was like, oh yeah, I'll do my Batman Aliens crossover episode of Back Issues. And as like a kind of thank you, they mailed me that poster. Oh wow, dude, that's cool. Yeah, I was like, but you know about Aliens Day? Yeah, that's I, cool. You know, but uh, <laughs> yeah, the I don't know. Either. of Aliens, we're go to bring it back around to to, uh, to crossover. Yes. Nineties um, oh, yeah. events, Batman versus Predator. So great. Good little buck. Good that little is, buck. I think that's one of the. I think that's a per, a, a perfect crossover. Yeah, might be like it might be my favorite Predator story of all time. Oh, easily because like it takes the material seriously. I think it's drawn by Adam Kubert. It is it's Andy Kubert. Andy um, Kubert, excuse me. No, not uh, to not to be a jackass or anything, but uh I only know this because always, it's written I always by get them mixed up. It's written by <laughs> Oh, so do I. Oh, and they cuz they they're liter- their school is up the road. I see the Kubert name all the time, so I have no idea who anybody is. But uh Dave Gibbons of Watchmen fame wrote that story. He did a good job. He did a good job. It holds up, man, even to the point where like uh, where Alfred pulls out a shotgun and shoots the Predator. You're like, this is everything I need in the comic book. It's amazing. Oh, no. <laughs> it's some, it, it is so great. For me, 
it's the fix for it was the fix for Batman slash the Predator franchise when mm-hmm. they weren't sure what they were going to do after Nolan left. I go, if you want a palate cleanser, do Batman versus Predator and just take that book and make it into a movie because no one will wonder if this is in the Nolan verse. Yeah. Like it will compl- Although I, I don't think the studios would ever allow those properties to cross over. Ever. I, I mean, because it has to, it have to be rated R, and nobody is going to finance an R-rated Batman movie, although they almost did with Batman 89 and uh, with the and Nolan Air movies. Aronofsky. Aronofsky, yeah, his year yeah, yeah, one. Yeah, when he was making his, yeah. Yeah, that, by the way, if you ever want to read something that would have fucked up Batman, take a look at, his, at Aronofsky's like $60,000 Batman movie. Yeah, I would say that to anybody who is like, Batman v Superman's terrible. And you're like, no, 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 oh, no, no, no. Go read Jared Afrikanowski's treatment. Yeah. That's what we could have got. There's art for that. And it's like, fuck. It uh, is so bad. I can't, I, it's, it's one of, that, that treatment is like, it's one of those, there's, and those, all those movies are out there. Like you can find these treatments like oh, that. Yeah. Like it's one of these things where you're just like, man, who greenlit that movie? <laughs> it's true. <laughs> who? Uh, well, it was just Warner Brothers being desperate. I remember when Warner Brothers was apparently toying with the idea of doing Dark Knight Returns and courting mm. Clint Eastwood to play Batman. Yeah. And I'm like, well, first of all, I want to live in that world where that happened. Uh, yeah. But, but you know, it's funny. I want I want Rick's portal gun where I could just go see these movies that didn't happen. Like, <laughs> I want to see the Batman Forever where they got Robin Williams to play the Riddler. Yeah. Because <laughs> that was the plan. I know. I, I would have been. I would have been down for that as well. I, I uh, would have been very different, but I want to see that. Well, movie. it was. It was originally supposed to be Robin Williams as um, as Riddler, and then and then you go even to Batman and Robin. It was supposed to be originally Patrick Stewart as Mister Freeze. Yeah, which would have worked, but also would have been frustratingly terrible. It, I mean, yeah. like Arnold being Mister Freeze is already a joke, but yeah, poor Patrick Patrick Stewart. He hadn't all. He hadn't yet become the joke. That he is now. I love Patrick Stewart. I think he can do anything. I just mean like he's playing the poop emoji in the Emoji Movie, and he plays himself practically on American Dad. Like Patrick Stewart has become like greater than himself, so that he can be a parody, but also still be like a member of the Royal Shakespeare Company. <laughs> he has he has followed the example set by his predecessor, Captain uh, Kirk William Shatner. There's a certain point, it's interesting, there's a certain point where certain actors, I find, become mm-hmm. parodies of themselves, yes. and then that's what they just become. Christopher Walken's one of those. Christopher Walken. Uh, Patrick Stewart's one of those. William yep. Shatner's one of those. Uh, Liam Neeson is pretty Liam much Neeson. that. Michael Caine is basically that, except when he does a dramatic movie and reminds you that he's actually a good actor. Yeah, oh, and you mean when Chris Nolan makes a movie? <laughs> yeah, like, when every time he does a Chris Nolan movie, but otherwise, like, Michael Caine in any movie, you're just like, oh, you're just doing a Michael Caine, got it. Yeah. Um, but... Also at the at the at the opposite end of that spectrum, I'm okay with it. If actor like Oh yeah. What what a safe place to be in your career where people are basically just hiring you to be you. Right. <laughs> oh no. That that became the I mean like it was already. Nicholas Cage, but, somebody brought up, yeah. Nicholas, Nicholas Cage. Cage. Nick poor yep. Nicholas Cage, man. Oscar award winning actor. Um, By the way, Nicholas Cage, when he when Nicholas Cage wants to act, he's great. He is, yeah. He's but still, he's a good, like, a- I still maintain, he is a good actor. It's just that sometimes, yeah. I mean, like, sometimes people swing for the fences, and then that became Nicolas Cage's character trait. Like, yeah, I'm crazy. Like, what do you, what do you want? I saw The Jungle Book recently, the new one, finally. I have not, I have not seen it yet. It's, it, it's pretty great. Okay. Uh, but Chris Walken plays, uh, King Louie. 
And okay. and he's just he's and he sings just, the song, right? He sings the song. Yeah. As Chris Walken, he's not even close to being a character. He's just like, I, I, what's going on, Mowgli? Well, I'm going to get you. Well, like, what are you doing? How was how was Bill Murray as Baloo? Because Bill Murray is almost one of these actors too. Like, when you hire Bill Murray, you know exactly what you're getting. That's right. Um, he was good. Okay. Uh, but you know, he's. I think they wrote it. I think they knew they were going to get him, so they wrote it around him. You know, okay, so okay. they gave him Bill Murrayisms. That said, mm-hmm. I didn't see the Bill Murray movie where he played like a talent agent that went to the Middle East. Uh, nobody saw that movie. I know, but I remember <laughs> I was like, that looks good. And it looks like one of those movies where Bill Murray's like, oh shit, I want to care again. Here we go. Well, he's actually pretty good in St. Vincent. Yes. He's pretty good in St. Vincent. Saint like, Vincent. Because he's play- yeah, if you cast Bill Murray as something that's not Bill Murray, he'll he'll actually act. He'll give you something. He's also he's also in a movie where he plays FDR. That's pretty good. Yeah, I didn't see that movie, but I saw I a couple of scenes the, from it. <laughs> I can't remember the name of it, but he's he's great. He's great in it. That's but, cool. Uh, yeah, when you cast Bill Murray in something where he plays Bill Murray, he's just gonna be Bill Murray. Yeah, you get him for Garfield. You know what you're getting into. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you're gonna get Garfield. Like it's like all right, okay. That's so funny, Garfield. <laughs> Um, you know, before before we we go, we yeah. should mention one of the most successful ninety events of all time, uh, Marvel versus DC was and Amalgam. Just about to mention that, Ama- yeah, yeah, yeah. We- yeah, Amalgam, man. <sighs> what a weird. Be careful. Perfect storm. Okay, I'll give you that. Oh no, no, no. I mean, like, <laughs> no, I mean, I love Amalgam, dude. Oh, I didn't even see it coming. Yeah, like when I it was happening, either. nobody did. No, I was just like. I, you know, you're reading this event. You know that the, the the audience is deciding the 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 results of the of the fights. The fights are not great. The the writing is not even is non-existent. The art is fine. Mm. It's standard for the time. Uh, not as good as it should have been, depending on you know when you think about what was coming out of it. And well, then, I mean, I mean, I don't know. You can't you can't really argue with uh, Dan Jurgens and then Cecil. I can't remember the name yeah, of the artist. The artist. I, I can't like, they were the top cream of the crop at the time. And if you know a little bit of the behind the scenes in that book, it's, yeah. just, it's very it's very interesting. A big thing of why they made that book was because, um, you know, the comic bubble had burst. Yeah, We're sitting here, we're looking at a comic industry, uh, and Marvel was starting to feel the bankruptcy talk starting. Mm-hmm. And they both comic book companies were worried that comic book shops were going to go away. Right. And that they were going to be gone. And so they specifically designed that event as an event to bring people into stores. That's a really good and idea. It was, yeah, it, it was a little rushed, and they kept it secret for the longest time because the event started because Mike Grunewald and Mike Harlan started talking to each other, being like, oh, this would be a fun idea, and I bet it would sell like crazy. Yeah. And when they started planning it with Peter David and um, uh, who wrote the other side? Um, was it Chuck Dixon? I don't know if it's Chuck Dixon. I don't know. Um, I wanted to say Ron Mars, but I, I might be oh, wrong. Oh, I think on that. it but, might be right. Let me let me look but, that up. It is they, Ron Mars. Uh, <laughs> they started having meetings at Mike Grunewald's apartment in New York. They would not have meetings in either of the other offices because smart. they knew it would get out. Exactly. Oh, I love yeah. that. I love the concept behind those guys working again. I love when they decide just what. To, that's why. That's one of the reasons why I was sad to see DC move to to LA. Not for you, obviously, but uh, for no. the rest of us over here on the East Coast. I was like. Man, there's never going to be that moment where editor-in-chiefs are going to be, like, going to Zabar's, bump into each other, and just go, you know, we should just do something. It'll it'll happen again. You want to know why? Why? 
we are less than 10 years from Marvel coming to the West Coast, and I'm putting money on it right now. I mean, there's no earthly reason for them to be here. They will be on the Disney lot before before the end of the 2020s. <sighs> that makes me sad, but also, like, it's inevitable. Yeah. It's hey, Dis- Disney, man. Disney wants to pull them together. Yeah. But you're, you're, at, the, at the other end of it, you're kind of right. Like, there is no – what is the reason for them being in New York besides just – being in new york yeah i will say i you know i i, I wish i could have gotten a tour of the of, of the of marvel at the time because i could literally go over there anytime but mm. uh you know that's too bad do they still do tours marvel oh no <laughs> oh no they don't oh i think you might have told me this story before yeah actually. no i i yeah me breaking into marvel one time yeah we'll just yeah. we'll spare you but uh no they don't do tours they kind of used to do tours when no one mm-hmm. cared uh that sucks. During the Bendis era, they were like, oh, okay, people are starting to show up. Like, get out of here. <laughs> <laughs> I think if you have a meeting, they'll let you in, but otherwise... We got another guy who likes new Avengers. Check this guy out. Yeah, get him out of here. <laughs> get out. Get we out don't of care here. if you like Ultimate Spider-Man. Get yeah. out. Everybody Spider-Man. likes Ultimate Spider-Man. So yeah, long. everybody likes it. Yeah. Fuck you. <laughs> Fuck you. <laughs> Precisely. But no, DC Marvel, that might be the biggest, because it involves both events, and... They wound yeah. up making Amalgam Comics, this concept, twice. twice. And they did that, ugh. yeah. Twice, man. And and also, there are three of those. Remember Access? Oh, the, the All-Access series? Yeah, yeah. Those there are bad. There were three of them. Yeah. There well, was like, it was like, the first one was just Access, the second one was like All-Access, yep. and then the third one was like Unlimited Access. Yeah. That Those yeah, were the, not great. <laughs> no, no, well... The first one was okay because the first one led into the second amalgam event. But yes. like two and three, it was like, okay, you're you are so far up each other's asses. Yeah. Get out of here. Well, you two know? and three um, was like funny. there was no oversight. Like no one like looked at the script and went, Oh no, this is garbage. You can't do this. Well, it just became like, how many different universes can we combine and throw access into it? Oh, yeah. this many? Okay. I like the idea of access like, going. That's not the basis for a story. No, I like the idea of access going back in time and crossing over like old versions of characters. But we got it better in Avengers JLA with Kurt Busiek and George Perez, where we did like the timelines are all merging and getting messed mm-hmm. up, and Hal Jordan and Barry Allen get to come back to life and fight a bad guy to get like yeah no there's you get all that shit without that crap. <laughs> Although I would tell you, I would die. If I saw access on a comic book again, that would be unbelievable. I that's I think you're you get you're you're more likely to see like that baseball playing Marvel character like X Pro or whatever before yeah, you ever see. Yeah, you're probably see. right because I have a feeling that neither company would let it happen simply for the fact, or Marvel especially wouldn't happen, and specifically for the fact that DC now has a show called DC All Access. Uh, yeah, no, you can't bring. <laughs> <laughs> so he's dead. He's it, yeah. yeah. It's like uh, it's like Disney wanting to not use Roger Rabbit. You know, like. But I will say, I will say that I, I, I have a prediction that in our lifetimes we will see certain of the amalgam characters again. You think you'll see the amalgam characters again? Because yeah, I don't I, think we're ever going to see amalgam again. No, I think we will. I, I think we will. I think it. What I think is there, there will be either some charity event, okay, or a book like Love Is Love, or something like that. Or some crazy like one shot where Marvel and DC crosses over because they still do that every once in a while, um, and it will be um, 
and it you'll see i think you'll see like dark claw in it or something right or spike boy yeah like they'll just like one or two of them i mean marvel hasn't done a crossover with anybody in nigh on a decade it's because of disney yeah and and it's also because of uh certain of the uppity ups well yes but like if it's even if the uppity ups were to either lighten up or go away if it's Disney's pro, if Disney's not interested in doing it, you're never like they're not go. It's not like Disney's ever gonna let Marvel yeah. go. No, Disney will never let Marvel go. But Disney might loosen up the reins because, to be honest with you, it is all on the Disney side. It's a hundred percent on the Disney side because if you were to walk into DC right now and say, "Hey, would you want to do this?" Let's do Marvel versus DC too. They would all say yes. Oh, really? That makes yep. me even more. You know what? I. F- I based on the amount of crossovers coming out of DC, which are by the way all pretty great. Mm-hmm. Um, that was the feeling I had was that it's all on Marvel side, just being like, nah, we don't need it. We don't even cross over with ourselves anymore. Like, yeah, we, we, well, because we are, all you, all, yeah, because yeah. all you have to do is look at some of the fun. Like, there is a Justice League Power Rangers comic book right now. It's, there is a yeah a. Um, I love the Green Lantern Star Trek book. There's there's a second one that's out now. It's and it's yep. still and it and it's like deep in growth. There's a uh, there's a Green Lantern uh, pa- uh Planet of the Apes the crossover. Ape. I've heard that one was mixed. I haven't read it yet. I haven't read it yet, but uh, no, I, um, I I don't know who asked for it, but it wasn't me. Yeah, I, I don't know. I, I don't know who's asking for any uh, any Planet of the Apes crossovers. I don't I mean, know. Did you see that Planet of the Apes uh, Star Trek crossover? Where it was the original series and the original movie? I read the first issue of it. I didn't really, didn't really dig it. I read the full trade of that. What'd you think? It was, it was like fun. Okay. You know, it, if you're, it's exactly what it promises to be. You know, but at the same time, it's like, what are you doing? Uh, and MT Kaiser Soze in the chat, he said, anybody read the JLA Wildcats crossover? Hell yeah! <laughs> also, anybody remember the Batman Planetary crossover? That yeah. was freaking awesome too. I do remember that. That's awesome. Yeah, so like it's interesting. I, I don't know. Um I I think DC versus Marvel could happen again. The saddest part of the saddest uh, um part about it is that I think the industry would have to be hurting again for it to happen. That's my theory too is that like yeah. the only way that we got it the, the first well the real question is how did they get the JLA cross the JLA Avengers crossover to happen again? Because yeah, because that happened like five or six years down the road. Because it happened, I think, post Civil War, or at least around the same time as Civil War. No, it was, I pre- it was like right before. It was pre Civil War, but it was like right before. So Marvel had already two thousand four. So it was like two years ahead of time. You know what it was? Yeah. It, it might have been. Uh, I don't know if Jemis was still there, but it might have been just part of the like, hey, we're trying them all. Let's see what it, let's see what clicks like era of marvel because like oh okay so uh, this is this is from wikipedia but i have i've heard this story before so i'm gonna add to it okay uh, um apparently because it was at the time when kurt music was writing the avengers and mark wade was writing jla and on a joint WonderCon panel they said that they really wanted the the opposite teams to appear in those respective books to not make it a separate event oh that's a cool idea yeah, how how you would have these two issues of JLA that have the Avengers in it? Oh man, that would be amazing. Um, they said that they had talked about it. They talked about it, and finally they uh, they got an agreement between the two companies to make it a separate event. But unfortunately, by that time, Mark Wade was unavailable because he had run to CrossGen. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah, and so uh, Kurt Busiek uh, took up the event, and they kind of made JLA Avengers. 
That's awesome. So two writers pushed for it at a comic book convention. The fans kept Begging asking for it. for it, asking for it, asking for it, and it yeah. happened. That's, you know, I mean, I've heard that uh, Scott Snyder and Bendis like this Daredevil Batman crossover idea. I would love that. Snyder and uh, Todd McFarlane have also talked about a Batman Spawn 2 as well. Which... Which Greg Capullo would fully draw. Please. That's yeah. something... If there's anything that we can do here at Comic Pop to make that a reality, let me know and we will and we'll push it. I, You know, I think the, the best way you can make it happen is, 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 you know, keep asking the publishers. Yeah. Keep asking the creators. If they keep seeing it, like if they keep seeing it online... Now... And now, they can factor re- in the cost and be like, okay, this will be this this translates into this amount of revenue. We'll be fine. Exactly, but be respectful. Like, don't go to Scott Snyder's wall and like ask him every yeah, day. Yeah, don't bug the dude. Like, don't bug the dude, and don't go to a comic book convention and like every comic book convention. Don't be known as like, oh man, there's the that's Batman the crazy person guy. who wants to see that super crossover. <laughs> Yeah, like, yeah. but you know, go up to Scott Snyder at a convention, go to his table, say like, "Hey, I'm a big fan." Da 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 da. Um, what 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 are the chances? I really want to know what are the chances of Batman Spawn two happening again? Yeah, and and ask it that way, and he'll. But if you ask him at every convention that way, then he'll take you seriously. Then he'll go talk to Mark Doyle, Batman editor, and be like, "Hey, you know, we should probably do this." Yeah, this is a thing, and like, why not, right? <laughs> Exactly. Well, I. You know what, dude? I'm. I'm with you. Why not? That's something where it's literally. It hurts no one to do that. Yeah. I. I have a feeling. I have a feeling with that one. It's Todd McFarlane. Really? You think? The, who is the big? The real. Yeah. The big pushback is. It, I mean, like, why? He's not. I mean, not to not to begrudge the dude, but it's not like he's really like busy. <laughs> you know. But the fact of the matter is, is he's very controlling of Spawn. This and is I, true. And I understand it. Like he broke away from Marvel, created that character. I know. He's very controlling a spawn, yeah. so like, I have a feeling, you know, and also at the same time, like, it wouldn't surprise me if DC is like, look, we well, just can't, you can't, you can't, you can't kill Batman, like you can't right. decapitate Batman in the story. Come on, but, but Come like, on. yeah, well, I mean, that's that's just something that everybody understands. Like, we're not doing Spawn Batman to kill Batman. Yeah, Todd. Like, but you never know, like, you know, you know, like, on both sides, you know that DC would be like, well, Batman has to be well-represented, yeah. and he can't be in a story where I'm murdering everybody. No. I um, guess, and, you know what it, it yeah. might be? It might be the, uh, it might be the toy rights. Yeah. Like, maybe... Oh, that, that could be it as well, man, he's I like, don't know. I want it, but I, I'll do it, but I have to be able to make the Batman spawn, like, action figure set. And DC's yeah. gonna be like, no! <laughs> we have our own yeah. guys for that, we're not gonna let you do that. Yeah, and you know also as well that there probably is, um, you know, Warner Brothers also being a corporation, of course, they have to protect their properties as well. Yeah. Um, you know, and, and it's 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 and all these crossovers is, is a bunch of legalities. What was the other one? Batman Daredevil. Batman Daredevil. That's the one I want. Batman to see. Daredevil. Oh, Bendis and, and Snyder, man. God, right. Why not? <sighs> yeah. Why I mean, not? Why 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 have they? I mean, yeah. Yeah. It's yeah. Mm. Uh, I'm, I'll, I'll tell you what too. Like I'm, I'm putting money on it that Bendis is scooped up by DC in the next five years. No question. Well, okay, I do have a question. No, my theory about Bendis is that he'll be editor in chief sure. in five years. Oh, really? You think the, you'll yeah. think they'll Axel Alonso will go go? He'll stay Marvel. Yeah, I think I think that. Uh, well, I think Axel Alonso will go, and I think support. I think if they want to keep Bendis, he's going to be like, if you want to keep me, I got to be in charge. Well. You know, Axel Alonso is a great editor who made some amazing books 
at his time during Vertigo. Like Preacher happened because of him. Yeah. Uh, he shepherded Hellblazer with Brian Azzarello. Uh, Fables happened because of Axel. Mm. But I will say his stuff over at Marvel, man, not, I don't know. Like not inspiring. That's the thing is that yeah. Marvel can Marvel can point to sales figures and community response and say this isn't working. Mm-hmm. You know, we need somebody we trust and like we trusted Bendis to write this cash grabbing event Civil War 2 and it ain't Bendis's fault it failed. You know, I like, don't know, man. I, I I would put a little bit of that on, on Bendis, but I mean, I think it's because Bendis didn't care. You know, Bendis is Marvel. Yeah. yeah, you're probably you're probably exactly right on that. He did the best he could, but like, man, who could make that story work? That's probably the thing. Nobody. That's why. I mean, like, look at Civil War Two. It's supposed to be this big Marvel crossover. There was four characters in that damn thing. Like, <laughs> yeah. You know, the interesting thing about that is that I will say that Marvel was its best when they had a creator on top. And I would I would argue that Marvel of the 2000s with Joe Casado was oh, yeah. one of the best periods of Marvel people, of all time. People will get real upset. People will fight you over that, but I agree with you. Yeah. Because, but, uh, yeah. Yeah, but Bendis would be the same thing, I, I think. I think I think a desperate Marvel's the best Marvel. <laughs> Honestly, like, a Marvel that's... Like, guys, we've been keeping the balls too many times. we got to do something. Literally, I think it's like Mar- Marvel, Marvel in Trouble is one of the best Marvels, which is... Kind of like a human a human interest story. Like that's how we all like. We, you prove your metal at your hardest moment. Like are they either your best or your worst? And I think Marvel can prove that. Like they know what they're doing as long as they're like, oh crap, <laughs> we need this we to succeed. A, we guy, yeah, yeah. We have a guy in the we have the guy in the um, in the comments is saying you know Shooter was the man and Jim Shooter definitely did some stuff, but he pissed off know, a you, lot of people. Well, you just got to look at you have all you have to do is look at the two thousands. Yeah. And you can see how many definite runs on characters happened in the 2000s at Marvel. Yeah. Definitive runs. And yes, there are definitive runs from the 80s. John Burns, the Fantastic Four. Yep. Um, I would even give you Mark Grunewald's Captain America. Yeah. Uh, Roger Claremont Stern's Spider-Man. Or, or uh, Dem- uh, I think, yeah. There was a Roger couple. Roger Stern's Spider-Man. But, but the 2000s did this interesting thing where they kicked all those characters in the ass. Yeah made them interesting and created definitive runs. That's right. Well, they took story seriously. They were like this, like we're, we're not focused yeah. on gimmicks and well, they, they, but we still, but gimmicks still too paced. There were some gimmicks. We're going to do the gimmicks. But... I mean, like, look, we're, yeah. <laughs> we're, the, like, McDonald's still sells happy meals. Like, come on. But, uh, that's right. But yeah, you're never going to get away from gimmicks. Yeah. Miller's ultimates came from the two thousands. Yeah. Uh, one of the best slash most dated comics I've ever read. That's true, man, but it still holds up. I love it that. Still book. holds up. More, you just replace the celebrities. Yeah. Morrison's new X-Men. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Demetrius. Yeah. I mean, uh, what's it called? Uh, Straczynski Spider-Man. Yeah, um, that's from that time, too. Yeah. yeah, it's interesting. There's a lot of... Uh, Mark Wade, Mark Waringo, Fantastic Four is in that period, too. So great. Um, you know, I don't know. Uh, it's interesting. Yeah, so you want... that's Brian Bendis is the head of uh, Marvel. So I, I think if we can take any lesson from away from this... Yes. Um, if you want this stuff to happen, um, bother... Bother the creators respectively yes. I, I saw one person in the comments said that he just emailed tom and <laughs> so yeah that's a that's a great that's a great move but as you, long don't, yeah don't do it every day don't spam them and be respectful be respectful you know be usually like, yeah. tell them why you respect them so much and then maybe maybe follow it up with and you know what i'd love to see this i will say um ben from our channel brought his copy of spawn batman 
mm-hmm. to New York Comic Con two years ago, and we 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 saw there was a line for for Todd McFarlane. We hung around the line. He left, and as he was leaving, Ben bumped into him, and he was like, "Hey, man, listen, I know you got a couple seconds, but like, I just want you to say I love this issue." And he looks mm-hmm. at Spawn Batman in his hand, and he goes, "All right." And then he shook his hand and then left. Like, it's like, like he is not proud of that book. But he was also like, you know what? You brought this fucking issue with you to the Comic-Con for me to sign. Uh, fair yeah. enough. Yeah. But, uh, but yeah. I mean, he, he didn't call him an idiot. So. He, did, he wasn't like, he didn't get annoyed. I think he could sense Ben was being genuine. You know, he wasn't just yeah. like, fuck you. It wasn't like bringing the How to Draw Comics the Marvel Way book to a Rob Liefeld booth. Which is like people yeah, do that and, and it's, be like you really you really need this yeah that's don't do that don't bother careers yeah. they're stuck at that booth they're there eight hours a day don't nobody wants to be given well, it's, 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 it's the fact that it's the fact of the matter it's the same thing like what what i said at the beginning when the one guy was in the comments or whatever it's it it's a film it's like you don't show up to somebody's house <laughs> with dog poop yeah well, okay. I, you, you don't be like hey i brought your dog poop nobody's gonna be like thank you everyone's no. gonna be like what the fuck man yeah, yeah. they're gonna think <laughs> you're crazy exactly and it's the same it's the same people are people no matter who they are they're all people so treat those creators the same as people they're that's people. right that's right think about think about how excited you are when someone when a favorite creator of yours favorites one of your tweets now yeah. imagine how they would feel if you tweeted at them every day about what an asshole they are yeah amplify your excitement in the opposite direction <laughs> yeah nobody and needs I'm to certain, be reminded i'm certain sal and i i definitely can tell you stories about people that have done that to me on the internet oh yeah only on the internet though i've never run into a fan who's like hey i fucking hate you i have really new york comic-con last year oh yeah that's where you're gonna find them yep (laughs) new york comic-con all three people stopped me no shit with my wife to tell me how much they they hated me really yeah (sighs) yeah yeah. and i was like wow thanks that sucks (laughs) yeah it was terrible i'm sorry uh, so yeah people are people so treat people like people that's right yeah Treat them how you want to be treated. And, and maybe, and maybe, if we're nice enough, we can bring Dark Claw back. Why not, right? Anything can happen in this world. <laughs> I want Dark Claw back. I know, I know. He's yeah. a cooler drawing. <laughs> but, uh, all right, guys, we'll see you next week with another episode of Elseworlds Exchange. Jason, thanks so much for being here. And, of course, check thanks, the description box. Thanks, always have fun. Oh, thank you very much. And check the description to go to jupiterjetcomic.com. And uh, you got eight days left to fund that Kickstarter to amplify the fund for the Kickstarter because you've already made it. But now, let's get, get them the extra Get yourself a Nicholas Scott print. Seriously. And we have trading cards, too. There's a lot. <laughs> Maybe we'll get a chrome foil cover out of this thing. Somebody asked me that, actually. So, <laughs> see, somebody messaged me and they were like, do you ever think you would do like a chromium like 90s cover for Jupiter Jet? And I thought about it for a second, but then mm-hmm. I was like, that's too expensive. It, it is too expensive. It's so expensive. Yeah, maybe maybe at least uh, an embossed cover. Who knows? There you go. I can go 90s with that. Right? Yeah. All right, guys. We'll see you next week. Thanks a lot for watching, everybody. And, of course, stay tuned uh, to this channel to watch us do uh, The Mask in the Iron Man by Joe Quesada on Back Issues. Thanks oh, to so you, happy. Jason, by the way. You suggested I know. that book. You're welcome. It's one of the worst books we've ever done. <laughs> All right. So long, everybody.